0: Hey mavens, welcome back to the Beauty Mavens podcast. We are so excited you're here and we just want to say thank you to everyone who has left us a review on iTunes. It means so much to us. Make sure if you do leave us a review that you put your Instagram handle because we pick out some of you each week to send some goodies to. Also, don't forget to join our Facebook group. It's a tribe of like minded beauty entrepreneurs. It's a really fun space and we would love to have you in it. Just go to Facebook dot com slash beauty mavens podcast and then request to join and we'll add you into the group Now, let's get into today's episode.
1: Welcome to the Beauty Mavens podcast. Kristen and Madison are creating a space where the beauty obsessed can feel empowered to dream big and achieve their goals. It's awesome. Interviewing other mavens in the beauty industry to discover their secrets to success and how they got to be the expert that they are. Brought to you by a sister duo of estheticians and entrepreneurs. Here's your hosts, Kristen DiAleveda and Madison Annis.
0: Today's guest is an attorney. She's also a mother, a creative, an unashamed car singer, and an advocate for female entrepreneurs. And she can solve problems. She has a background in communication, business, law, Lord of the Rings mythology, and she loves seeing new businesses succeed, especially creative ones. She's not like a normal lawyer. She's a cool lawyer. Please welcome to the podcast, Brittany Rattel. Okay, so we are on with
2: Brittany, and we are going to start with our high lows, so... Okay.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, girls. I'm excited to be
2: here. Yay! This is going to be so fun. We've never done a Skype interview before, so everyone wish us luck.
0: Yes. Okay. So my, I'm going to start with my low. My low is that my husband does summer sales. If you're from Utah, you probably know what that means. If you're not, (laughs) you might not know what I'm talking about. But he goes every summer. To he goes to Dallas now, so he's in Dallas, and he sells door-to-door, and so he left this last weekend, and so that sucks. <laughs> but He's
2: gone all summer. Start.
0: Yeah, so he's gone all summer, but it's his last summer. I guess that can be my high. This is his last summer. I'm forcing him after this to be done, and no more summer. So that's my high, that once this is done, then, then no more of this summer sales life. <laughs> yeah, awesome. that'll be
2: nice. Okay, my high is I just found out that I'm 18 weeks pregnant. Congrats! <laughs> Thank oh you! So, that's my highest finding out, and then my low is also finding out that I'm pregnant, because I wasn't expecting that for a couple more years. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> but now, it was very shocking the first couple days, but now we found out it's a boy, and I'm getting really excited, and we've like gone shopping and got all the cute clothes, so... But, so
1: you've already had like the full hormonal gamut spectrum of feelings, like excited and you know wonderful, and then nervous, and then like oh I'm gonna be sick, and yeah the whole yes
2: whole range. all of the above. So now I'm just excited, and I'm halfway done, so that's nice because I'm really impatient, so I don't know if I could have
1: waited ten months to have a baby. So well, you you were smart, and you gained it, so you just you know <laughs> you you creep up later in the game. so now you don't have as long to as wait. You're a smart woman. Exactly. I
0: know, and your high should be that you didn't ever have any symptoms. No morning sickness. Like, she didn't have anything.
1: Yeah, that is a high. (laughs) She's a a pregnant unicorn.
0: I know. (laughs) And I'm pregnant, too. I'm a month ahead of her, and... It has been, like, like we'd drive to work, she'd be driving, I'd be like, pull over, and, like, throw up on the
1: side of the road. The whole time she's pregnant, too,
0: but...
2: <laughs> had no idea, and was so done. fine.
1: I know. Oh, goodness. Well, congrats. Well, you ladies are glowing, so I know no one else can see it but me, but, um, but yeah, you look fabulous. You're oh, wearing you're it well, regardless, so... Well, thank you. Okay, what What about you
0: for highlights? Okay. lows?
1: Okay, um, my low... Well, my low is probably... I was just over at my in-laws' house, um, and I was trying to get some work done with, like, my kids about, and... You know they were like playing and looking all cute going outside and then my youngest who loves to play in their sandbox i noticed had brought a truck inside after being in the sandbox and he had like spilled you know like a teaspoon of like sand on the floor and i was like oh gosh like on the carpet at my mother-in-law's and we have family visiting so i go to clean that up and i realized that was just the end of the dump truck he started in the kitchen oh, no. <laughs> and he, made, like, a tr- I mean, he literally he probably had like this giant dump truck full probably like a gallon of sand and had just like laid it out like he was pouring a foundation in the house in the kitchen just that
2: is so funny
1: <laughs> so it's one of those you know real mothering you know lows um my high is that it's my birthday tomorrow and so it's my it's birthday tomorrow and then mother's day the day after so it's gonna be a fantastic weekend
2: so. yeah it will be we love birthdays know. and happy, now mother's day
1: <laughs> happy birthday that's exciting thank you yeah, so that's that's exciting. So we're gonna go out, we're gonna get petties, we're gonna go to Anthro. I mean, that's that's all I want in my life. So yeah. Oh,
0: that sounds amazing.
1: Birthdays are so fun on the weekends
0: too. Yeah. So that's exciting. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. So you have set what was it seven? Yeah. I have I have
1: some tips for you. <laughs> some yes. Great tips for our listeners. Yes. Um and that I would love to share. So and I will always start with this. I have to have a couple caveats because like what kind of attorney doesn't have like some caveats disclaimers. Um, so I am a licensed attorney in Utah and Idaho but anything I ever talk about like on podcasts or online or on my own podcast um, this is not official attorney-client relationship legal advice. So if you have any questions about any of this stuff I'm talking about always consult with an attorney licensing your jurisdiction because sometimes things can change and like the specific facts of your business um, yeah can be just like that very specific. So um, and the other thing is that, um, your listeners have to promise that they will not be overwhelmed <laughs> by any of this stuff. So, cause I've, I've taught this before, like online and in person and done like, you know, workshops at conferences and stuff. Um, where I kind of go over some of the, you know, legal basics of getting your stuff in a row. Um, and sometimes I get, like, the deer in the headlights look from people who are just like, I, I don't know what I can do. And, I, you know, I always just say, like, you're doing great because you're an entrepreneur and you're moving forward, which you should be. And you're worried about making money, which you should be. Um, and you just got to tackle this one little thing at a time. And you don't need to know the whole journey of how you're going to maybe do all these things and scale and what copyrights and trademarks and licensing. And, oh, my gosh, like, you just – keep walking forward just one step at a time. Um, and that's how you can get legit. Um, and you know, build a business that can grow and support all the dreams that you might have for it. So
2: we are so excited about this because we, um, well, I actually was a business partners in a salon before and I tried really hard making everything legal. And I just felt like my business partner was kind of like doing the opposite of that. So, we are, like, so excited that when we started our business, we're like, okay, first thing we're doing, we're getting our business license. Like, everything is going to be correct. So I'm so excited to hear these new tips that we need to probably add on as well.
1: So smart. Well, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you you ladies you, are well on your way, but but hopefully there'll be some nuggets of wisdom here for, for your people as they're, um, yeah, as they're, as they're moving forward. So, okay, well, the first thing I'll start with is, and that was an amazing segue, is to kind of set up your business entity. So um, if you are setting up a salon, or if you're, even if you're just freelance like you don't have your own location and that's what you're doing in beauty um I would highly suggest that you uh set up an LLC okay that stands for limited liability company and you do this always with your state it's like a state entity um and an LLC makes this nice little fence in between your personal assets and your business assets okay so if anything goes wrong with your business if people get mad um, if someone gets hurt, if they have an awful allergic reaction, if someone gets sick, if someone slips and falls because you didn't shovel the ice away, um, then that only becomes a business problem. Um, it doesn't become a personal problem. So if you lose a lawsuit, like that's like the worst, you know, heaven forbid, um, someone, if you have an LLC, someone could not get to what assets you have in your home, in your bank accounts, and what you share with your spouse, your 401k, like all of that personal stuff is all protected, locked down they could only attack what's in your business. And so um, it's, a, it's a thing that's a really important, um, and it's usually not that expensive, unless you live in California. But um, in which case, you have to pay like this really awful franchise tax of like 900 bucks a year. But in most states, it's under 100 bucks. You can totally do it yourself. You just have to go on the state website and answer some questions, and then you can be done. And then you get your LLC um, and you'll it'll tell you to get like your tax ID number with that. That's also sometimes called your EIN. And that allows you to set up separate um, like bank accounts for your business and a separate business credit card, which is really, really helpful. So you can keep track of your business expenses, what money's coming in, what money's coming out. Um, and that'll really let you um, keep things nice and clean for the IRS and for your own business purposes. It's really hard to make thoughtful business decisions about investing or, Hey, do I want to take this course or do I want to hire or are we not hitting our goals? If you're not watching your numbers. um, Oh yeah.
2: So are you, okay. So you get the LLC first, then you get your separate bank account.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can get and set up a separate bank account. You know, if someone's like, I don't know, put up LLC, you can do it by just getting your EIN. However, I'd recommend getting your LLC. I think it's, it's, it's a great first thing step to tackle. Get your L- LLC. Yeah.
2: And you would recommend LLC for solo estheticians and business partners?
1: Yeah, so you can do it for for both. Um, I would say if you have a business partner, um, you know the the thing that I would spend some money, some legal money on, you know, you can do it yourself. Like don't be sucked into like Legal Zoom or there are like some online things that will say like, oh, we'll fire your your LLC paperwork for you. All it's doing is that's putting your information into a form and putting it into another form. You could do that yourself. Like you're going to be answering <laughs> the exact same questions and they're going to charge you a couple hundred bucks for it. They're a complete rip off. So do the LLC on your own. But if you have a partner pay to have an operating agreement done. This is some, also sometimes called a founder's agreement or a partnership agreement, operating agreement. They're all used interchangeably. But this agreement is like your little handbook of like, how are you going to run your business? It's private. You file it with anyone. It's just for you, but it's binding. And it will talk about what happens when someone wants to leave the business. And no one wants to think about this, but it happens. People change. Like yeah. people grow up and their interests mature. People get divorced. People die. People get really sick or incapacitated. Um, you know, what happens if someone wants to leave? Can they set up a competing business? Um, how close? Or can it be in the same area? Can it be with a similar name? Can they poach off? some of their artists or their employees or their clients. Like you guys, you need to talk about all that stuff beforehand. Um, Otherwise, what you get is really ugly business divorces. And so this agreement is like your business prenup that helps protect you. When I was splitting from my last partnership,
2: that's that's what it felt like. It was a divorce. Like it was really hard and awkward trying to divide up the things. So like having that to begin, like we're sisters and we have an operating agreement. Exactly. So if she yeah, wants to guys, leave, we know exactly you're, you're what's going to happen. You're modeling really
1: good behavior now because sometimes I hear that in the pushback. Like, I mean, I get for maybe husband and wife, like m- maybe you know you decide to overlook it. But even if your family, even if your besties, um, it's so good because and because of that reason, honestly, you need to have one of these because then you can preserve the relationship because you are minimizing like those awkward conversations that you're going to have you're going to say hey let's talk about this now whether things are going amazing and we're making like loads of money like that's a good problem to have or whether we're like dumpster fire status (laughs) (laughs) lots of debt and um, things are not going well and now we're squabbling over who's going to pay you know these mounting expenses so right Okay. Yeah. yeah that's good so, advice. Um, so that's so my get first your thing, Set agreement. up your LLC and like your EIN. Sometimes people, they come to me and they're like, Oh, I'm a sole proprietorship. Um, So that is nothing legally. (laughs) That is just the default, what you do when you start as a business. Um, So that um, it doesn't give you any legal protection if anything goes wrong in your business. There's no separation. So all of your assets are all mixed together. So um, the same thing if you have a DBA or like a doing business as a fictitious name. So it's, it's good. The state says like, hey, if you're running a business and it's different than your own name, we need to know like who's behind this business. Like we need to know who to check up on if there's a problem. So you've met that requirement as far as the state's concerned, but you haven't done anything proactively to protect yourself. So, um, yeah. Okay, so the next one is to make sure, number two, make sure your name is available and is clear to use, um, your business name. So, um, And I know it's really tempting to... Um, you know, come up with a really fun name and thing, something that maybe is meaningful to you, as business names tend to do, and we build a brand around them. Um, but when you're coming up with the business name, especially if you have any hope or vision of expanding beyond just a local, maybe in-person business, if you want to have products, if you want to do education, if you want to have an online component, if you want to have, you know, other, you know, larger parts or offerings as part of your business and brand. Um, then you wanna be leaving those doors open. So that means that you need to do two things. You need to do a really, really thorough Google search for your name, like way past the first page. Like You need to keep on cruising to see if there's anybody who's using your name in your same space, okay? It doesn't have to be the exact business, but if they're selling anything close or related to or things that people would think would go together, um, then that's something you need to watch out for. And the second is you need to do a trademark search. So go on to the trademark database It's called the trademark electronic search system. But if you Google it, it'll pop up um, and you need to look for licensed trademarks um, because those names are not clear to use. And if you use them, you might not get caught right now when you'll have a problem is when you start gaining a lot of traction and maybe you get written up somewhere or your salon really starts hitting it or you want to franchise or grow or, you know, you're getting those other really exciting times. And now you're going to get an ugly cease and desist. It says, hey. You better knock it off. You have to rebrand. You have to change everything. And or we're looking for damages because we think that you've been hurting our brand name. So, Like,
0: for example, our neighbors, they are a a fitness studio. So they're Maven Strong. Like, can people trademark just the word Maven? Because, you know, there's there's like a million businesses. Yeah, they could.
1: And that's what you would check for to see. Is there anyone who's in Maven in the beauty industry? Um, So and that's what you'd be looking for is anyone who's in, like, cosmetics or offering, like, beauty services. I'll tell you that the stronger trademarks are ones that are not purely descriptive of what you do so if you want to open a hair salon and you call it beautiful hair salon you're not going to be able to trademark that there's no way because it, it just describes what it is like yeah. it's not you know it's not distinct um the best trademarks and ones of like uh, brand names are ones that are different and in fact they're like made up names that's why I like things like vivant You know, that's a company, that's a made up word, you know, it maybe like has some ideas of like what it is like, Oh, vivid or bright. And, you know, but they made up the word, which makes it really easy to protect. So, um, and I mean, then the second kind of class things that are good are things like Apple, Apple computers, um, apples don't have anything to do with computers, which is why in electronics, that's why they're able to protect it. If they were an Apple selling shop, they would not have been able to protect that brand in the way that they have. So,
2: Oh, that's interesting. So would you recommend, or at what point would you recommend Trademarking your name?
1: So I would say if you are, if you love your name and you'd be devastated if you had to change, if you had to rebrand, um, then it's something I would consider doing. If you want to expand and and be more than just a, a local in-person um service provider so you know just like if you're a long hair business or you have a hair salon and you just are going to stay local you have one location and that's all you want to be and that's that's your dream and you're doing it um you probably don't need a trademark it'd probably be you know it's not a critical part of your business but if you have other visions or dreams you know if you want to have merchandise again if you want to do have a presence online if you want to do a podcast if you want to have a book if you want to do workshops um then I would definitely make sure that you can trademark and protect your name because as those things grow, you're going to be moving and bumping into other areas and you want to make sure that you don't have to rebrand. So, yeah,
0: but it is going back to my question. So it is industry specific. So like, it's okay that they have that because yeah,
1: the, the legal standard is, is there a likelihood of confusion? So you're putting yourself in the shoes of a consumer. Would a consumer be confused as they're Googling and trying to look up this hair salon or this product or, this workshop or something or this event um would they get confused about it
0: okay
2: okay so yeah. how much what does that cost on average to trademark your name
1: yeah um so the government fees are like 275 per thing like in each category to do if you do it on your own um I do suggest that most people work with an attorney on these just because I I see so many that go wrong. People put them in the wrong categories or they don't do a good search beforehand and then they bounce back and then they're worthless and you've spent, now you have to pay more money to attorney just to fix it than you could have in the first place. So when I do these for people, they're a thousand dollars for a trademark and that includes the search, the filing fees, um, and then my like analysis and strategy because we're trying to have a trademark that will be big enough so you can kind of pivot and have new offerings Uh as much as you can. But not too vague that it bounces back and it gets rejected. So we're, we're, you know, we're having, having this little dance, you know, this little strategy that goes into it, so.
0: Okay, that's really good to know.
1: No, no. We'll, we'll, be emailing you about that after this. <laughs> about that. We will be talking later. That, that okay. So that's your name. Um, okay. Um, the next thing, my number three is get your website legal. Okay. By this, I mean, and I, I mean, I think it's a pretty fair assumption that anyone who's running a business now is going to have a website, um, and yeah. that you need to have, there are three things that you need to have on your website. Um, you need to have a privacy policy. You need to have website terms and you need to have any disclaimers or disclosures. Okay, so disclaimers and disclosures are things like if you're making sure that if you're offering anything that could sound like it's medical or fitness advice and nutritional advice, you need to show that you say that you're not, you know, that, um, and so this becomes more important than people who are like bordering on like health and wellness stuff, you know? So if someone is doing like, you know, talking about skincare, but also kind of, you know, talking about, oh, essential oils and you can do this and it can cure eczema. Like, uh, that sounds like a little bit like you're offering medical advice. So like, you want to make sure that you have the disclaimer that you need to, um, privacy policies required by state and federal law. You just need it. Um, and then your website terms are, are kind of like your clubhouse rules for your website. And that will also protect you against like, copyright infringement. Um, so people can't be like, well, I didn't know that they have, you know, that I couldn't use their photo. Yes, you do, because it's right there in my photo on my website. So, um, yeah, pay me my money and stop giving back my photos. <laughs> <laughs> Is
2: it true that, um, like, if you, anything that you create, write pictures, that it's automatically copyrighted? Or do you have to have the private, the, the copyright yes, terms in it there. it is.
1: Yeah, in the U.S., we give copyright protection to something as soon as it's out of your brain and it's it's what's called in like a fixed, tangible medium. So meaning like it's on something. So whether that's in a file or like a sketch or in a song or in a book or whatever, it's copyright protected. Um, however, it's very difficult for you to, um, to really be able to sue someone else and get them to stop infringement unless it's registered, which is okay. a different step. And to register... Um, so which is why you can, you can use the copyright symbol right now. And I, and I also suggest that you put that in your website footer. Okay. You put the copyright symbol and say the date that you published your information, you started your website, or you can do the range. Even some people do that, put your business name or your name, all rights reserved copyright symbol. And that lets people know, Hey, this is my stuff. You want to use any of my stuff, you you got to talk to me. Like, you can't play dumb and say, like, I didn't know. Yes, you did, because it's right here. Um, But if you actually want to stop, like, if you have some amazing photos, and say you're on Pinterest and you find them and someone else is using them or, like, claiming, like, oh, look at these beautiful brows that I did, and you're like, those are not your brows, girl. Like, those are mine. Like, I recognize that work. Um, Then you – and you say stop it, and they ignore you. Um, and, you know, you go through some other... You try to do, like, a DMCA takedown. There's other things that you can do. Um, I have a whole podcast episode on this. But um, if they don't and you actually need to bring a lawsuit, you can't do that until you register the copyright to that material. Which now, because of a new Supreme Court hearing, means um, that it will take, like, nine months. <laughs> so, oh, wow. And people some people some people don't know that and so if you send a cease and desist they'll get scared off and they'll stop especially if it's on like law firm letter you know law letterhead um which is why sometimes i send these out and people are like oh law firm they'll stop and that's sad that i have to you know wield that stick but i will um i can and will if i need to but um but like bigger companies or infringers or you know people who are running scams on Amazon out of China and stuff, like they don't care and they won't they won't stop unless you've registered it. So and you get some extra benefits, like you can get statutory damages, um, an attorney's fees. So you can get like major awards of money if someone is using your stuff if it's cop if it's registered at the copyright to something. So
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I was gonna ask that, like, is it even worth it to go or to, like get it back?
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. If you don't have a registered, then yeah, to do to initiate a lawsuit, you know, copyright in, in infringement suits are expensive. Um, mm-hmm. And so most attorneys will not take them on unless things are registered. So if you have something that um, is either critical to your business, or you've already seen that it's becoming popular, and it's, you know, it's, it's in, it's in the public eye, it's making a lot of money, like, if you did, you know, work for somebody, or if you have, like, an, you know, if you have an ebook and that's, you know, it's, oh, it's going really well, go register the copyright to that, it's not that much, copyright registrations are only $55, okay, so it's not, you know, that much, Um, you'll see, like, big-name photographers will do this when they, if they get, like, a cool shot of, like, Kim Kardashian, you better believe they are registering that, because they know that that is going to get circulated, and if they catch someone else using it, if they catch a newspaper using it in a way they shouldn't have, they can get damages and get their money. Wow. Right? Okay, Good tip. So good to know. Okay. Um, Okay. My number four is to be clear about your policies. Um, I know you guys have talked about this on your website because I was stalking the podcast. Um, (laughs) But make sure that you are very clear with your clients about things like cancellation and booking um, and the clear expectations of what services they're getting or, um, you know, if there's anything that will change in services or who their service provider is any of those things that are dealing with you um and the people that you're giving services to you need to perfect you know protect that revenue stream and protect that relationship which means having clear policies so that means if you're a freelancer and you're doing you know you're doing um you know beauty for somebody beauty freelance services then you should have a good client service agreement okay if you do you know bridal makeup and that's your business then um you should make sure you have a really good client service agreement that talks about you know when are you showing up and what are you doing um and are you doing any you know once trials beforehand and what happens if you have to cancel um is there any recourse or is there any money that you get or do you find a replacement what happens if the bride cancel like do you are you out any money because you saved that time on your calendar and um you know all of that just needs to be need to be discussed you know do you get credit do you get any pictures back can you talk about the stuff in your portfolio all that
2: yeah. So like a contract? Mm-hmm. So and yeah. then on our website, before you book an appointment, you have to just like click a little thing that says yeah, I agree to the terms great. and That's I a agree. that's a
1: contract. Okay. That's a contract. Contracts don't only have to be, you know, things that are like written down with like a Harry Potter feather pen. Um, so they can be, they can be, you know, because when people, you know, sometimes are like, oh, contracts, like uh, we sign contracts all the time. Anytime you've checked a box for anything or had to like scroll through or like I agree to those terms of service, you know, that's a contract that you agreed. Did you read through that contract? No, you probably didn't. Yeah. Um, but you agreed to it. And if there was a problem, those would be the terms that would govern how you're going to solve that problem.
0: So I have a question. So I know on our booking, we
1: use Square. Yeah. Okay. But that's the other thing is that if you have a merchant processor like Square or yeah. like, you know, somewhere else, um, if, if you have a chargeback or if you have like a payment dispute or something, they're going to ask, Square is going to call you and they're going to say, hey, we need a copy of your policies. You know, if they booked from your website, we need we, we need a copy of those policies that they agreed to, because that is part of that case that they're going to look in to see. Um, is a client right? Do they get to keep your money? Are you guys right? Do you get to have the money? And so it's really, you just need to audit that and, and keep tra- tabs and make sure that those are saying the things you need to to protect yourself and your business. So. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So that was kind of my question. So, like, if they book their appointment, they do agree to those terms and they put their card information in. So if they don't show up, we can charge it because they agreed yep. to that. But now if they do show up and then for their next appointment, I rebook it in the studio. Do I need to, like, repeat my repeat the policy or is it like it's on my website they've already been in before that would be covered or can you charge them every time
1: going forward or do they need to like sign something it depends on what it what it says in that agreement if your agreement says that that says hey you consent that by booking an appointment at this facility at this establishment you agree to this cancellation policy then yes if it says if it's more specific like for this service, this, you know, it makes it sound like it's more like this one service appointment, then yeah. th- I, w- I would say that's more in the gray area. So I would check your documentation. Just kind goes.
2: of tweak the words if we need to. Okay.
1: Yeah. And hey. then, yeah, broaden that if you need to, because it, sh- it should be obviously that like, hey, this is the course of business when you deal here and you book an appointment. And obviously that's, you guys want that. You want repeat customers. and whatnot, yeah. but You also want them to follow the rules. So. Yeah.
0: yeah. That, that's like what I thought, but I just didn't want to, I mean, I don't think it would ever really be a big problem, but I just do not want to ever get caught in that where it's like, no, I only
1: agreed to that appointment, but it's like, but it's our studio policy. Mm-hmm. So maybe we just, yeah, make, make those more broad. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, like, you know, sometimes people, and I, you know, push back sometimes on the other side, because people would be like, oh, that's our policy. And I'm like, show me where I agreed to that policy. I mean, because policies are just they're rules that someone decided you yeah, know right. um and they need to be written down and they have to be agreed to by both parties and if there wasn't an agreement there, there wasn't a chance to review them and say yes i consent to these then yeah you don't have to follow them and if they're booking say they're booking over the phone and we're like okay we need your card info to
0: hold this appointment because this is our policy and they say a verbal yes but it's not recorded like does that count
1: yeah, I mean, it would be great if it was recorded or, or just, you know, even just reminded them of like, hey, just a reminder about our cancellation policies. Are you are you clear about that? Yes. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Just making so. sure that's all, you know, I mean, because the greatest, you know, um, thing that you can do is to try to have such clear expectations, and communications that you're going to avoid conflict of people saying like, I didn't know, you know, I mean, like, the yeah. greatest legal defense here is good customer service, and which is what you guys are doing and being really upfront with whoever walks in your doors about, um, how things are going to, you know, what the relationship is going to look like and be professional about it.
2: Yeah. Okay. that'll be really helpful for everyone. Everyone go double check your cancellation policies and make sure they cover every service.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Make sure they cover every service. Like, yeah, if you want it to be. So, okay. Um, okay. My next one, um, number five was, um, you need to be thoughtful and kind of intentional about, um, who you have that is working for you, that is an independent contractor, like a renter perhaps, and who yes. is an employee. Okay. <laughs> like W2 employee. Um, cause these are obviously different types of help and team members. Um, and they have different rights and responsibilities that you have as the employer and the manager. So, um, so anyone who's an independent contractor, um, as you might know, or like a 1099 or, or you know, a renter as we might call them, um, is someone that obviously they're in charge of paying their own taxes. Um, you know, they don't, You don't provide them insurance. You don't provide them workers' compensation. um, And that's all fine as long as you're being careful that you're not treating them as an employee, okay? Because um, if you are misclassifying someone, um, and this is normally the vein that it happens to, people are like, oh, no, all these worker bees who come here to my sweatshop who work here from (laughs) 9 a.m. to 5, and they sew these things on my machine, on my fabric, under these circumstances, they're independent contractors. Uh Uh-uh. Those are not those are not independent contractors, those look and smell and sound like employees, um, which means that you have to be complying with state and federal law about being an employer, okay? And you can get back taxes and penalties and fines against you if you break those rules. So. Um, if you have a good accountant, that they're someone that you should be working with because they will you know, kind of be checking in and saying, hey, how are you doing like, with your people? How much are they doing for you? How much are you paying them? And what kind of jobs are they doing for you and what circumstances to make sure they're not crossing over the line into employees? Um, but generally, like the IRS rule is that if people are in control of the timing and the manner in which they do their job, then they're a clear independent contractor. Um, and another thing that you can do to protect that is to have them sign an independent contractor agreement. So I sell these in my shop and it's not to say that if you get one of these, like there's no chance you'll ever cross over the line. Again, if like you had that example where those people were clearly employees, um, yeah. but it's a really good first step to saying, Hey, this was the expectation that they were an independent contractor. They were doing their own thing.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we, cause we have both booth renters and employees and just, you probably know this, but just, and maybe I'm wrong, but this is how we understand it. But just for people listening, um, like one thing we do know is with our independent contractors or our booth renters, we can't um, we can't make meetings mandatory, or else we have to pay them, right? Like we can invite yeah. them to them, and if but we can't say, okay, we have this meeting, everyone has to be
1: there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, meetings are kind of a gray area, you know, because if it's something like it's part of their job you know it's like part of being part of your team is having this as a job expectation like I would say like one weekly meeting you'd probably be be okay but if you have like a a lot like there's something every day where they have to be at that that sounds like a little bit like an employee so yeah yeah but with your you could certainly have um incentives you know or some things built into like hey um we really would need you to be part of this meeting this is where we're giving out this information or this treat or (laughs) whatever yeah right (laughs) I know we haven't had a
0: problem with that they all just come anyways just because like, I don't know, it builds the team, but, um, what were you going to say?
2: I was going to say with independent contractors, they, like, we don't tell them how much they have to charge, we can't set their schedules, all of that is an independent contractor. We can't tell them what to right. wear, right?
1: No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could have, like, um, things, I mean, you, you could have, like, a general, guidelines. like, this is our brand vision or whatnot, but in terms of, like, um, if, if it was set out in your contract that if you don't follow these policies or rules, then... We can terminate the relationship then like you could um but you, yeah you just got to be careful that it's not getting too close like if you were having them wear a uniform or whatnot then yeah yeah you just got to be careful that you're not making it look too much like an employee yeah yeah okay so, so yeah and I mean the IRS has like they have like a 15-part test. So, I mean, if you are, if you really want to be like, how close can I get to the line without going over, um, go look up that test and go down and look down the factors and you can kind of get into, you know, the, the nitty gritty of this, of like what you can and can't do. Um, and again, like, you know, it all just comes down to, it's basically a lot of like the, the manner of control that they have over their job. Um, and the, you know, the independence that they have there. So, and you, you do want to have that. And especially if you are treating your people well and they're excited to be working and collaborating with you, um, that that will be the, you know, the best recipe for success for both of you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. So, okay. Um, and both of those people ideally should, should have some sort of agreements with you. So either an independent contract agreement, if they're in that camp or an employment agreement, if they're in the second, which of course should and can spell out things along with like an employee handbook about, dress code about tardiness about lunch breaks about benefits um all the other things you know sick day vacation all the other policies that you'd want to have outlined there so and you sell those on Um, your website what's I do I sell independent contractor ones um I don't have employee ones yet but it's something I'm working on so um
0: yeah we have a contract for our um girls but we made it up like does do you have to go through an attorney for all these things or if
1: you write your own contract and everyone signs is that gonna hold up as well Um, It just depends on what's in it. Um, uh, I would say it might be worth it just to have someone review it um, and Mm -hmm. just see if there's anything else that needs to be added and make sure there's nothing in it that's illegal. Like, make sure there's nothing in it that's, um, you know, that's crossing the threshold of, like, federal employment law about, like, discriminatory or, you know, information you're not supposed to know or act about in your employment. You know, the things that there can get dicey is, like – you know, sometimes people will have like social media policies or something. Um, but if you are, you know, friends with your employees and then you learn online that like one of them is pregnant and then you terminate them the next week, um, that is like a perfect storm disaster for an employment discrimination lawsuit. Because of course the employee can be like, Oh, the only reason that I was terminated is because I announced that I'm pregnant. And so, um, so those are the types of things that are really, you want, you'd like to have, it's good to have an attorney's help to kind of hedge that. So you Mm -hmm. don't have that, um, Yeah, chance of a lawsuit, so. Cool, okay. Okay, okay. Um, My next one is to um, read through your contracts carefully. So we're still in the contract vein. And for this, um, I'm probably more specific talking about People who are freelancers or doing their own thing um, who might have been trained or, like, participated in another program. So for, like, this, I had a, I had a family friend who came to me because she was um, – she did lashes and she was a lash, lash educator. And she had me read through her contract, and it had a three-year non-compete with it, saying, basically, like, she couldn't teach – educate about lashes like in any other format besides after like being with this company which is ridiculous like <laughs> to three years yeah. lashes. <laughs> like um so that's the kind of thing you want to be aware of um and if you see that don't sign it or like cross it off which um you know it, it's always okay to negotiate contracts like it's not set in stone it's not like you know in marble granite um it's just on a piece of paper and that's totally normal in the business world to redline and to edit stuff and be like oh you know i'm actually not okay with these terms and the chances are that you can still move forward with whatever it is that you want to do um but uh you definitely want to understand what you're reading um and especially if it's a large investment of time and money. Um, then make sure you know what you're understanding
2: and agreeing to. So I feel like non-competes are pretty prevalent in the beauty industry. A lot of people do have them, um, but I don't know that everyone's doing them correctly or that yeah. they would even hold up. So what's like a a good um, non-compete that would hold up? The general
1: trend is non-competes is that they're getting more and more narrow, and so um, I would, and they're also governed by state law. In California, for example, there are no, um, non-competes are not allowed in any industry whatsoever, so you, can, okay. you cannot have non-competes, which is why we have Silicon Valley, because people hop around in companies, and they're free as a bird. Um, Utah law um, has a limit of one year on non compete so anything broader than that is unenforceable. Okay.
2: Oh, okay. And then is there, um, does distance matter at all?
1: Mm-mm. So, I mean, but most most non-competes need to have some sort of limitations geographically on them. Like, mm-hmm. if you if you start to get too broad in terms of both the subject matter of, like, what someone can do in terms of the work and where, um, and it's too broad, then that can also be thrown out as being, like, unconscionable by a court. So, um, just don't be too greedy there with your non-competes. Like, I would really try to make it really narrow. And obviously, if you're on the receiving end, if you're the one who's signing this, um, you should be narrowing and narrowing that down to be like, okay, I can't maybe do this very particular thing in this, you know, in the city or something, but, um, but don't sign something that, you know, takes away your rights. Yeah. Forever.
0: Yeah. So for business owners, do you, do you recommend and advise owners to have non-competes?
1: Like I mean, that- I, I think it's, it's okay to have, the, the some language in there, but it should be, it should be tailored and it should just be strategic in terms of what, what are the actual threat to your business and what are we actually going to be able to enforce? So, yeah.
2: right. Cause you can't keep them from doing lashes in the state of Utah or for longer than a year. Right. So, Nope,
1: Nope, yeah. not at all.
2: That no. makes sense.
1: Yeah. Okay. That
2: answered my question. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, our next one is, um, uh, I think it's like this, is our last one is, um, make sure that you are, uh, getting permission for any content that's not yours, um, and I think where I see this a lot in beauty is where people are using um, client photos, so they're taking pictures of clients, mm-hmm. or they're and or using testimonials. Um, so both of those things, you really you really need permission. And the best practice would be to have some sort of written thing. I understand that that's not always the case. Like it'll just be you know very casual, like hey, can I snap a picture and share it or something. Um, and if they say yes, like, I understand that you just might go forward with a yes, but even if you just had like a quick, like half page little release, you know, and had a pack of them behind the desk and had someone sign and be like, hey, are you okay signing off and can we use, I, we just love how this turned out and we'd love to share this picture. Um, and they could sign away and just give you the rights to that. And that way, if there's content that you get that you love, um, you can use it the way that you want to. You can put it on your Instagram, you can put it on your website, you can, use it for training, education, like whatever other purposes, you know, recycling that you might do.
2: So, what about if you're wanting to use like somebody posted a picture on social media and you want to post it on yours, what is the legal grounds to sharing something? So, like yeah, that?
1: if they if they posted it on their feed, um like you can use in app features, you don't have to ask permission. So, you know, if someone puts it on like their static Instagram post, you know, you can do like the little paper airplane, you know, that lets you go to your, your story. Yeah. So that, that's fine, because that's in-app feature, and when someone puts their stuff in Instagram, they're allowing people to use and license Instagram for that kind of sharing. Um, what's not okay is for you to do, like, a screenshot or, like, use a repost app, and to repost it without permission. So, oh. so for that, you really need to get permission. Um, so just send them a DM, and I'm sure most people, I'm sure, 99% of the time, they're going to be fine with it, but um, that's just, that's the best practice there.
2: So I feel like a lot of people just either tag you in the post or they do the repost app so it's tagged in the caption that's not legally correct
1: it's not yeah tagging um does not negate infringement like i understand that um you people are usually there's a lot of times they're okay with it but then there's also sometimes when people are not and so um to really protect yourself and to just have a good policy this is the way we do things we're always on the up and up and that way we can use this picture the way we want to that would be that's the best practice is just ask permission first so um and you know this becomes a, a much bigger deal with people who are um their content creators and like this right. is how they make their money you know like it's a very big deal when you t- put, take someone's stuff and put it on your feed um but certainly if you you know having portfolio of work and having you know beautiful work is, is really important um in beauty too so it's good to just be mindful of that
2: yeah totally those are really awesome was that the last one
1: yes those are really good tips yeah Yeah.
2: we have a little bit of work
1: to do (laughs) some (laughs) things we're doing good feels good like no no feeling bad or overwhelmed because um like everyone you know you don't know what you don't know and that's totally fine and not everyone in fact most people are not going to be well versed in the legal you know issues of this because that's not what you're trained to do you know you're trained to do amazing hair and to you know do great brows and to do great makeup. that's that that's your gift that's your talent that's your zone of genius and so um it's just recognizing like hey there are things that i can be doing to be more legit um to be more professional to educate other people how i want to be treated and how my business should be treated and part of that is taking these steps to be protected to be legit um and to just set yourself up for success so that as your business ebbs and flows and grows you are in a place where you can do that with a with peace of mind and confidence
0: Right, And I feel like people can They can tell when you're Like putting effort into being legal And doing things the right way Or if you're just kind of You know, sweeping things under the rug And just trying to make a buck I feel like people can tell And and you're going to attract that type of clientele Whereas if you're like doing things legally And you have your license hanging and all the things that you're supposed you to have do policies and cancellation. Yes. I, I, did, a... I
1: didn't mention the license, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it almost goes without saying, but like, yeah, if, if you should be licensed to do what you're doing, mm. please be licensed, you know, please, you know, be adhere to those things and be a good, uh, a good citizen of your industry and mm-hmm. making sure that you're, um, complying with all the rules that you need to. So, yeah.
0: Awesome.
1: This I yeah, feel like will so, be very helpful for so many people because it was Okay, very- <laughs> so good. Um and I was gonna say if anyone else wants more um- just more tips for these or more resources. Cause I know sometimes talking to an attorney sounds, just really expensive and (laughs) boring. And, (laughs) and the the worry that you're going to talk to someone who's not going to understand what you do or what your needs are. So, um, so I do have some other free resources that I have for you is I'm on Instagram. I love Instagram. Um, so make sure people are connecting with me there. I'm just at Brittany Rattel. Um, I also have a podcast, so long wit creative council for entrepreneurs, where I talk about, all of the stuff of like being a creative entrepreneur, and I certainly think being a beautypreneur is in that category. Um, especially with how much is done now online and in the digital space, and how much those lines are blurring from just having what was, you know, a local footprint business and is now um, a lot of times a lot more than that is like a hybrid influencer, beauty influencer, um, mm-hmm. uh, beauty space. So, and then the um, yeah, the other resources I have have a uh, kind of a thorough one page legal checklist um, that I always say to people, if you want to know where to get started, um, and it'll kind of summarize some of these tips, and then a couple more things to kind of look at. I mean, you can get that at com slash checklist.
2: And I love your little um, DIY templates that you can purchase.
1: Yes. And those are in my, my contract shop. So I do have, so for people like, you know, I work on with clients one-on-one, but there's a lot of people who, frankly, they don't need to pay for custom, like one-on-one bespoke legal services. Like they just need a decent template and they can be on their merry way. And so, um, for that I sell things. Yeah. At creative is my legal template shop. And that's where you can get like your website bundle that will get your website legit. You can get an independent contractor agreement If you are ever doing like a sponsor deal with an influencer, like if you're doing either trade or you're paying someone and they're going to post for you and do stuff for you and you're giving money or product or whatever to them, that there's an agreement that's really great for that that clarifies what that's going to look like. Um, A model release, testimonial release, um, copyright transfer, like just all the things that I keep seeing again and again that help people protect their businesses and keep things running smoothly.
0: Yeah. Those are so awesome.
1: Those are so awesome.
0: Also, you're a genius having all these products (laughs) and like, I don't know. I don't know any other attorney that are like doing things like this. You're the first one that I've known about. And I just think it's so smart because everyone needs it. And you're being such an entrepreneur at the same time. Like it's I want to do an episode where we talk about your business and how you've like (laughs) came up with all these things. Cause yeah, no, you're, you're
1: you're so nice. But I mean, for me, I just kind of fell into it, honestly. Like I, um, I graduated law school. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I I knew I kind of wanted to work and do maybe something helping women and children. I thought that was doing like family law and stuff. So I did that for a few years, but really didn't like it. Um, it's really hard to be a family attorney and you're dealing with people in the worst parts, you know, of their life, the worst days, (laughs) the worst moments. Um, so I'm grateful for the experience and that I still can do pro bono work and, um, and help. You know, I, I do help for like domestic violence shelter victims and stuff like that, but, um, but in terms of this work, grew out of just, I had so many friends who were creative entrepreneurs who were really talented women and starting to hustle and make traction in their businesses. And yet they were really underserved legally. Um, You know, they'd maybe go to their dad's attorney and they'd get like mansplained too. And not (laughs) felt like they were understood and it was expensive and it didn't, um, yeah, it wasn't a good fit. And I thought like, this is who I want to be working with. I, I'm a creative. I like to sew and throw fun parties and do photography and, um, and you know, everyone's always like, oh, you should do an Etsy shop. And I'm like, no, I don't really want to have an Etsy shop. But I really like working with people who have Etsy shops. And I really like working with graphic designers and bloggers. And, you know, from people who are just started to like the bucket list family. And so, um, yeah, it's really fun just to be in the space and to be helping people with all kinds of really fun and interesting businesses so that, you know, they can, they can go for it. Yeah. So this is your full time thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a mama four. So, you know, as much as a, as a mom of four <laughs> Can be nap time, time attorney, that's what I call myself. Like it's nap time right now. My kids are, my little boys are asleep <laughs> next door. Um, or if not, that they're doing a really good job of pretending to be asleep. But, um, but yeah. And I, but so in this season, like I'm, you know, just trying to be efficient with, what clients I take on and my client services and then, yeah, develop the the templates and the other educational resources to help people um, so that if I'm not even doing one-on-one, there's still pe- things that I can do to help people um, and help them be better business owners and, you know, and help support my family. So. Yeah, that's
2: it's so amazing. awesome. That's a cool little niche that you've gotten yourself into.
1: I know I was going to say
0: for everyone to, like, apply that is, like, finding a little gap in the industry, finding things you're passionate about, and then just going for it and, yeah,
1: not to be too worried that like there isn't somebody else doing it just like yours. I think, yeah, if you can find that intersection of something you enjoy doing um, and then uh, and you're good at it mm-hmm. and that the market will reward the, the market will pay for people to do to solve that problem for them. And when you find one of those all intersect in a little Venn diagram, that's where you should sit and that's where you should flourish. Yes.
0: Yes. So good. <laughs>
2: okay. One more little plug for Brittany. Um, go join her newsletter. They are so funny. And there's like always a little informational tips <laughs> on there or didn't you do like a quiz one time where you could see how legally sound your business was? Oh, like- I
1: think, yeah. And it's like, what category you'd put yourself in, but yes, I am, I am trying to do better with my newsletter. Like I know I'm supposed to be sending it, you know, all the things you're supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to send it out every week. I'm not as good as I should be about that, but I only send it out when I have good things to share. But, like, I'll wrap up my Instagram lives that I do, and I'll put like a link to those and say, hey, here's what we talked about if you want to watch the replay. Um, and then I'll summarize like the podcast episodes, and then I'll put other tips in there. So, yeah, if you sign up to get on that checklist, you, you'll get on the newsletter. So, the com slash checklist. Um, yeah, we'll have, and then you'll, you'll get signed up. But, yeah, thank you. I, I try to make them funny. And no, they're funny. <laughs> lost in like the inbox abyss because I know how it is. We all got to fight those battles.
2: Yeah, no, totally. You do a really good job at it. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. We thank a you, ladies, for having
1: for me. me. So, and it was just great. And, yeah, just good luck to all of your amazing beautypreneurs out there. Oh, thank you.
0: Okay, so where can we find okay. you on Instagram?
1: Okay, uh, Brittany Rattel. So, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-R-A-T-E-L-L-E.
0: Perfect. So, make sure you go check her out on Instagram. And while you're at it, check us out at Beauty Mavens Collective. And we will see you next week. XO XO Beauty Beauty Mavens.